podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories, and practical mindfulness-based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am master life coach and mindfulness expert, Danielle Savory, and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing today? I am feeling fabulous. I'm excited to be here with you all. So as I mentioned in last episode, I'm going to spend the beginning part of these episodes just sharing with you some insights from the clients that I work with so that you have a better understanding of what can be possible for you when you really take these concepts and these ideas, apply them to your life, whether it's working with me directly one-on-one or through my group coaching program, or you taking what you're learning here and really taking it seriously and putting it into action. So one of my clients shared, she said, oh my goodness, I just had an hour long session, which is completely unheard of. And I've been taking things from the video and applying it and it's making me feel so good. I had no idea this was possible. And I think this is such just a very simple celebration, but so huge because when we have given ourselves permission to give time to this and time to, you know, my Better Sex in 90 Days, this is one of the clients from there, you know, time to watch the videos to learn about her body. And this particular woman had done a lot just to get things out of the way, right? Get the things out of the way that made it hard for her to even create time because it just didn't feel as important as, you know, her business goals and her family and all of the other to-dos and obligations. So getting to that place where you actually give yourself the time and then you have something to actually do in that time. You actually know what is the next step, how you should be taking care of your body, what you should be applying. And that is something that I give to every single one of my clients, really, you know, kind of the blueprint for them. If they're like, okay, this is where I'm at. What should I be watching? What should I be listening to? How to then take that and apply that to their needs so that they can have that toe curling, ooey goody pleasure. And, you know, one other thing I wanted to share is this other client, she was doing one of the practices because, you know, it's not just about sex, right? We think it's like, oh, it's like this program and it's called Better Sex in 90 Days. And it's easy to think like, of course, this is about sex, which yes, it is. But we have to remember there's so many ingredients that go into being able to experience pleasure, to not experience pressure, to be able to enjoy the body. And part of that is actually enjoying the body. There is a number of, you know, resources and conversations that we have within that program, really helping you be able to fall deeply and madly in love with your body, learning how to relate to it so that you feel desire rather than just always asking, am I looking desirable, right? But because you feel good, you feel enjoyment and you feel pleasure. Anyway, what she said, she said, 
after doing one of these practices, she goes, you know, the first thing I noticed were, of course, like the imperfections, like the bump on my side of the my leg or how certain parts of my skin felt kind of rough, but I just kept moving. I didn't even judge for the first time in my life. I moved through and I appreciated my body. It is the first time I have ever admired my body like that. It felt powerful. It felt so good. And it just brought so much pleasure in the sensations. And afterwards, I felt so proud of myself. Ugh, like, I swear, like every single time I read these, I get teary-eyed because I think you as a listener can understand what big transformation that is for somebody, you know, for so many of us that have been fed these messages about what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to feel like, what this is supposed to, you know, do for us that when we start to actually, it's like cognitively, like, yeah, I know that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Like, yeah, I know that, you know, sexy comes from like how I think about myself. It's not for other people. Like, I think that we cognitively, meaning like we get it in our heads, like that makes sense. Like I get it. I understand that. But actually putting it into practice, actually feeling good in your skin, actually feeling like appreciative and loving and sexy, like that's huge. When that switches over, it just changes everything. It changes the way that you show up and show out in the world. And it just has such a ripple effect, not just on you, but you know, the other women that are around you, or perhaps maybe those conversations where everybody's kind of picking on stuff on their body. It makes a huge difference in the conversations that we have with our children, especially our daughters. I mean, it just changes it changes everything. But <laughs> let's get to today's topic, which is very similar and on the same wavelength as the things that we just talked about. And what I really want to just discuss today is how the patriarchy really impacts our ability to experience so much pleasure in our bodies. Now, the first thing that I want to say about the patriarchy, because I know that a lot of women have ideas about what even the patriarchy means. So if you don't consider yourself like a wild feminist, you you may be unfamiliar with this term. And this term may bring up some thoughts for you, like man-hating thoughts or I don't... I don't know what else, but, you know, just these ideas of what is meant when somebody brings up the patriarchy. And really the only thing that I mean by it and the way that I want to explain it for everyone and the listeners is that this is just the social system that we grew up in. And really what it means is that men are holding primary power and like predominant roles of leadership and authority and social privilege and those sorts of things. So even if you feel like you live in a very open-minded family, you know, where you're perhaps your mother and your father shared very equal roles and you're like that, you know, this isn't something that I have experienced this, you know, controlling kind of submissive housewife sort of thing. Like that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about 
the fact, this is a fact in our country that the predominant roles are of leadership are held by men, whether that's in the corporate world, in our political system, and everywhere else. So this Again, <laughs> it's not to say, you know, we're not getting into politics here. We're not talking about anything, you know, along those lines. The reason that it's being brought up on a sex podcast is because the way that we're socialized as women is going to greatly, and I don't know if I can emphasize that anymore, greatly. <laughs> impact the way that we're able to show up in our bodies and experience sex and experience pleasure. It's huge because it is, it's just like the air that we're breathing. We don't have to get into this conversation about if the patriarch is right or if it's wrong. It can just simply be an acknowledgement of like, yeah, I grew up here. These are the kind of messages that I received, you know, very like overtly or even at the very subconscious level. Because when we have awareness around the type of messages that we received, we can see how our brain is naturally going to react when it comes to sex, when it comes to our partner, when it comes to orgasms, when it comes to our pleasure, and definitely when it comes to our body and our body image. Then once we have awareness around it, we can actually begin to change and rewire. We can re like wire it out of a patriarchal system so that we are more like tuned in to experience pleasure because so many of the thoughts and the beliefs that are out there, so many of the ways that we are socialized as women is going to impact negatively your ability to connect with your partner in a very fun and sensual way. It's going to impact the way that you can connect to yourself and experience a lot of pleasure. So it's really just a simple statement, right? It's simply that there is a system that we grew up in that is going to give us messages about our bodies and sex. And we are giving ourselves the opportunity by taking a look at this system and these beliefs and thoughts, these sentences in our head, and then we'll be able to liberate ourselves from these thoughts so we can have a truly amazing sex life, a love affair with ourselves, empowerment in our relationships, and all around, it's a win-win for all involved. Okay, so let's break it down into some categories about how this might show up. Number one, just sex in general, right? The message that we've received about sex in general, I can't truly begin to even get into all of the ways that sex has been presented, but let's just talk about a couple so you understand what I'm talking about when we are really taking a look at all of the things and the ways that we've learned about sex that would get in the way of us being able to experience pleasure. One of these is if we just kind of look at this evolution of the way that our relationship to sexuality is supposed to change over the course of our lifetime. So, you know, there's this whole idealism around the Puritan or the good girl or the nice girl or the virgin, right? So there's like, oh, well, you know, make sure that you stay celibate and, you know, save yourself for marriage. And again, not saying it's right or wrong. This is just the evolution. And then once you get married or once you are in a committed 
relationship, then you can let loose. Then you can, you know, be there to explore all of the different sexual pleasures and whims because it is in this safe, confined container. But once you become a mom, not so much. Or if it is, you probably shouldn't talk about it so much. And then if you get old, you're too old and nobody wants to think of you having sex, so you should turn it off. So really, it's like there's this very small window in this idea that where women are actually allowed to want sex, to like sex, to be adventurous about sex, and it starts later, right? It starts after. <laughs> we have, you know, the the courting phase and afterwards. And then guess what's so crazy is it's still about what our partner, usually a man, if it, we're talking about the patriarchy, right? Usually what our partner deems to be sexy or deems to be fun or like you're frisky enough, right? So there, you can even just see the way of the, these type of messages. And, you know, in that same vein, just the way that young men are encouraged to express themselves sexually, you know, they're encouraged to date around, they're encouraged to not settle down so soon, they're encouraged, you know, to be able to express this part of them. But then when it comes to a girl, if we were to do the same you know, go ahead and maybe date around and find your guy, but definitely don't sleep with him. Definitely don't mess around sexually with him. And if you do, you're probably going to be a slut. You're probably going to be a little bit skanky. Not even to talk about the way that you dress is probably also skanky, right? Because we must be giving men the wrong impression. If you're showing too much of this or too, you know, uh, much leg, too much skin, too much anything, if you're swinging your hips a certain way, if you're dancing on the dance floor a certain way, then watch out. You're asking for it. You're probably giving off the wrong impression that you were available for sex. In my practice, I work with a lot of women from LDS and the LDS community. And, you know, a lot of my clients from the LDS community, this is one of the main things that we work on helping to unpack because they notice how harmful it is with the relationship they're in now and with the man that they love. And it's still messages they hear from their parents, you know, and especially from their mom, like, you know, like pull your sleeve up if their shoulders slipped out a little bit. You don't want to give them the wrong impression, right? You don't want to, you know, you're the one that's responsible. You're getting them too excited. They're going to start thinking about you sexually. And it's, it's very interesting when you take a look at then we've learned these things for our whole life. But then the minute you get married, you know, go ahead and do all of these things sexually. But the problem is, is we're trying to just act differently without actually spending time in the brain working on these different thoughts of beliefs. And whether or not you grew up in a religious community at all, we all have these. We have watched the court cases against, you know, sexual assault victims where they're like, what were you wearing? Like that matters. Like we have to really think about what we were wearing or how we were being to decide whether or not we should be raped 
Give me a break. Okay, I'm going to start ranting here so I can take a deep breath, right? But we've all received these messages from a young age, from the way that school policy is even, you know, of what we can wear and how that is considered to be giving off the wrong impression. Like what impression would that be? And so taking the time to pull these type of thoughts out, to actually take a look, because at this point in your lifetime, right, and I usually work with women, you know, in their 30s through 50s, and, you know, these things are still there. We usually don't take them out and change. We just hope because we've gotten older that maybe they're just gone. And we don't realize that these are some of the, these types of beliefs are the things that are turning us off, that are keeping us from fully expressing the way that we want to show up in the world. One of my clients, particularly, we were talking and she was so nervous to even do this work. No religious upbringing, nothing like that, right? But still, she was like, you know, part of me, part of the thing that holds me back from truly wanting to like become sexually empowered. And when I hear that word is that I'm just going to like walk around, you know, like as this vixen or something giving off these vibes. And then, you know, maybe my husband will be upset because, you know, I'm just giving the wrong message off. I'm giving this message off that I'm available in some way. We have so much fear that if we allow ourselves to feel pleasure, to feel connected in our sexuality, that we are going to be banned from the people that we love, that we're going to be burned at the stake for the things that we, you know, for standing out, for dressing sexy, for speaking up, for being magnetic, for being charismatic, right? We are afraid that somebody out there might get the wrong impression, that we might be asking for it, that we're going to get hurt if we allow ourselves to be fully expressed woman, meaning that we are integrating part of our sexuality into this. So this is a lot of the work that we have to do to be able to experience sexual pleasure the way that the body is wired to deliver it to you. Because if there is so much fear and there's so much holding back because of what we are afraid or what society has told us is okay and not okay, then you're not really giving yourself or your body permission for pleasure, permission to explore, permission to understand your own body, even in the confines of a monogamous and committed relationship. Is that crazy or what? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I just have to laugh at this and, you know, in a way and it, because not that it's, you know, not a thing. It is very much a thing. Otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it. I would not have a job doing this if this was not a thing, but I have to laugh because when you break it down like that, it's so ludicrous to me that here we are in 2020 that there's still so much of this socialization and messaging happening to women that it is keeping us smaller, that it is keeping us from being brave enough to integrate our sexuality because of what we're afraid other people will think or other people will do. 
It is a very real fear. That being said, the way that I coach my clients to be able to handle this is we do create safety. We do start to rewire the brain and we do it in such a way that you're not feeling threatened. Okay. That was totally on a tangent. (laughs) I'm going to bring it back. Okay. So let's talk about just how the patriarchy delivers sex to men, right? Or delivers the depiction of sex, right? You can see this in movies and rom-coms and all of the depictions in the media, right? Is that women are objects for their benefit, that sex is something for them, you know, to definitely experience pleasure. And we see this from a very young age also that sex is something to be enjoyed. You're going to have a lot of fun with this. On the flip side with women, think about just even the conversations with women. It's like, you know, be safe, don't get pregnant, don't do this, don't do it too much, don't get your heart broken. There's all of these kind of like smaller messages that we get on the personal level. And then even between girlfriends, instead of talking about like, hey, was it good? Did you really like it? Did you have fun? It's like, did it hurt? are you okay? Like when we have this curiosity at a young age, it's usually around if sex was painful or not. Where men, it's presented automatically as it's going to be good, as it's going to feel good. That is going to greatly impact the way that you show up. The assumption there is that it should be really uncomfortable, that you probably should experience pain, that you probably should, you know, afterwards like, oh, well, then it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You hear these kind of messages. And for a lot of women, it doesn't (laughs) because we don't actually have conversations about how good it can be. It's more, let's just make sure it doesn't hurt too bad or it's not too uncomfortable. The idea of what female pleasure is is looks like is so mysterious to most people. The way that female pleasure is presented in our society is through the male lens of what they find pleasurable, which is usually a bunch of like... like these kind of like high pitched screams. It's done really quickly. She can't just wait to get the penis in her. (laughs) And for most women, this is not what female pleasure actually looks like. So whether if you are experiencing female pleasure that doesn't look like this high pitch, like then you're wondering if there's something wrong with you, if there's something broken, the way that it's presented to be this quick thing that it's like a little bit of kissing and then you get a penis in you and you better be thanking your penis giver for all of the pleasure because it just feels so good. Like, come on, (laughs) that is not actually how the female body even works. But yet we have nothing else to go off of because there's not honest, real conversations about how the vulva 
is wired, about how the vagina gets aroused, about what men could actually do for you, what you could do for yourself. And so we're stuck feeling questioning, shameful, feeling wrong because it takes us a long, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes, long time, that being anything longer than the five minutes of our male partner. So these kind of thoughts about us are going to greatly impact the way that you show up for sex. They create narratives in our brain that we're not doing it right, that we must be missing something. We're definitely missing that sexy gene. I mean, come on, all the women on the television have it, all the women in the movies have it, and definitely the women in porn and porn habit. And I must just be missing that gene. I must just be missing that gene where I get turned on and I just love it and I just can't help and I want it more and more and more. (laughs) Right? That's what most women think. Or that perhaps there's something like actually wrong with me. Where we go, you know, looking on Google doctor about what might be going on, what might be wrong. And then there's just the idea and the things that we're getting in general from the patriarchy about what our responsibilities are, about holding all of these things in our head, doing it all, perfectionism, overachieving, all of this sort of thing, that that is also going to influence the way that we show up for sex. It is going to immediately create this ideal, uh, this image of what we're aiming for, number one, that's not even true, and number two is unrealistic, that I should be able to just manage all of this and not even think twice about it and then feel so excited when my husband asks me for sex later in the evening. These kind of messages kill your sex life, because they are so embedded in our brain, most of us aren't even aware of them. Most of us aren't even aware of the fact that we are having shoulds, and it should look like this, and I should want it like this, and I should say yes, that guilt is running the show, that our tendency to people please, especially people please the person that we love, is running our desire, that our desire isn't actually coming from arousal in our bodies. It's not coming from the sensation. And so when you learn how to start to unpack these stories, when you learn how to view yourself as a sexual being, but not defined by the way society has portrayed it, everything begins to change. You give yourself permission to be you, to feel desirable in your own skin, to truly own that sexiness. So the kind of quotes that I shared at the beginning of these transformations that are happening with women in my group program is because that is what happens. When you start to rewrite the narrative that sex is something to be celebrated and not shamed, that there should be no shooting going on, that this is something that you can want and it doesn't make you bad, then you're turning all these turn-offs off. You're allowing the natural like sensations of pleasure and arousal that are in your body come through and be seen and be felt. And that, my friends, changes all of it. We have to be brave enough to take a look at what we have learned 
overtly or at the subliminal level that is keeping us from owning our pleasure and being able to actually experience it, that is keeping us from the wanting, that's keeping us from the eagerness and, of course, the arousal. Because when you start to see all of the ways that we're believing these things, then really you're giving yourself permission to feel, permission to be a human being and experience the human experience in your body in a connected and loving and ecstatic way. One of my clients, we were talking and she was, I don't remember exactly what was happening. I think she was getting ready for a shower and her husband was there and was just looking at her lovingly as she was, you know, getting undressed. And she immediately felt shameful. And what she also noticed is she didn't feel trusting. It felt like when she looked over at her husband, it was like, oh, he wants me and that is wrong. Assuming that once again, that she was just the object of pleasure and it made her feel icky. And that's the other thing about really allowing ourselves to take the time to unpack some of these thoughts is because once we are in a relationship where we want to share this with another person, then we still have these kind of thoughts because they are in the camp of I'm getting looked at as an object of desire and I don't really want to be. I I don't want to be wanted like that. But when her and I coached on this and we talked about it, she was like, well, of course I want my husband to to want me. Of course I want to feel beautiful and loved and desirable. But it was this idea, this thought that was getting in the way that her husband, this man that she loves so deeply, was in the same camp as all of the men out there. So we have to get down to the personal level too. We have to see that not only are we, you know, being fed to these messages, but then how it can affect our relationships. Because even though, of course, we want our person to want us and like us, when they do actually like us and want us, it triggers that immediate belief of like, oh, look, see, just some other man that wants me, some other way that he can get off rather than the way her husband was actually looking at her, which was like, oh my goodness, my wife is so beautiful and I love her and I'm excited to share this experience with her. So we we allow ourselves to become more loving and more trusting in our interpersonal relationships when we give ourselves the chance and the time and the space to begin to unpack all of these thoughts and beliefs that make us very untrusting of ourselves and our partners and take us out of this place of feeling safe enough to experience pleasure. Because safety is a huge part of it. Feeling safe in your body, not feeling like you're under threat, not feeling like you're being watched or looked at or you're just this object of desire is huge for us as women allowing ourselves to really enjoy. Another thing that we were practicing in the group is the practice of receiving, just receiving in general. 
and how we as women are taught, especially in sex, to give. <laughs> like even so much to the point where giving is what creates pleasure for us. The idea that I'm getting my partner off is going to turn me on almost more than just me actually getting turned on by receiving pleasure, receiving touch, or even receiving attention. And so this idea of receiving, idea of giving ourselves permission to receive is something else that we've learned as we've been socialized in this world of giving, 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 giving. That our giving, whether it's a gift or a welcome to the neighborhood down the street or oral sex, that, you know, this is something that we give and that we should be finding delight and our happiness in the giving rather than learning how to also enjoy and delight in the receiving just for receiving sake. The other thing that we talk a lot about is this thought about how long (laughs) sex should take, how long arousal should take, how long it should take to orgasm, if that's what you're going for. And the idea of even slowing down. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm getting irritated. This shouldn't take me so long. I shouldn't be here. You know, this isn't how it looks like. I'm assuming all the other women get off easier than I am. And then how that creates this frustration and then this irritation. And that instead of giving yourself the actual time and space, you're just looking over at your partner. You're like, okay, just hurry up. You just get done. It's fine. We'll take care of me later. You know, besides I'm going to go and work on something else. I'm going to go work. I have all these things to do. So it's going to take me too long. You just finish. I got more important things that I need to make sure I get done. So you can see that the patriarchy seriously is everywhere. It's especially in the realm of sexuality and in so many different ways, whether it's receiving, whether it's, you know, feeling icky and unsafe because perhaps were wanted, whether it's feeling the timeline or what orgasm should look like, how long they should take, what should we enjoy? It's everywhere. And again, I'm not saying the right or wrongness. I think you guys are pretty clear about my opinion on that, but whether or not, you know, you don't even have to think, is this right or is this wrong? The only thing that I want you to contemplate after listening to this episode is how do I show up when I believe this? How is this affecting a desired outcome? If you really want to enjoy, let's say, sex with your husband, if this is something you're longing to actually want and you're actually longing to enjoy it, it is imperative that you take a look at the way that you were brought up, the way that you're socialized, and the way that your brain might still be holding on to some of these beliefs and seeing, do I feel open when I'm thinking these? Do I feel like this is conductive to pleasure or do I feel shut down? Do I feel fearful? Do I feel shame? And if it's any of those last things, then it might be time to let some of these old thoughts go. It might be time to release some of them and learn how to rewire your brain away from these patriarchal thoughts and, you know, feelings 
so that you can celebrate yourself, so that you can really truly fall in love with yourself and share this very intimate and beautiful relationship with your body and possibly your partner. Okay. I feel like I got off track a little bit on that episode, but I hope you understand what I'm really trying to say here is the way that we've grown up, the way that we've been socialized, everything that we have learned about our bodies, about sex, about being women here can impact your ability to experience all of the beautiful pleasure that is your birthright in your body. So take a look, get those thoughts and those beliefs out of your head, get them onto paper, start working through them. And if you want to do this in the most beautiful container of women guided expertly by me, I invite you to take a look at the Better Sex in 90 Day program. Applications are now open. I am so excited for this next cohort. There are some changes I have made to the program just to really guarantee you these results of having better sex and a better relationship with you. As always, it's been my absolute pleasure to share this episode with you. I hope this has helped you really start to peel apart all of the layers of what you've learned so that you can fully step in to yourself in a sexually like (laughs) expressed and loving way. It's such a beautiful journey. And I just hope that this gives you a little bit more of a piece to the puzzle to move you along in yours. Have a wonderful day and a week, and I will talk to you next time.